Our Bible reading is from Matthew 28, beginning to read at verse 16, the Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. It's amazing to think that just under three months ago, we began our series on Why Church, where we set out the stalls, namely to look afresh at what it means to be the body of Christ in 2020. And as a church, to look with renewed passion at why we do what we do in the way that we do it. And so we've covered over these months areas such as our vision and values, what it means to serve and to sow, our worship and our welcome, our fruitfulness and the giftings God has given us and the way that we love and lead as a church. And if you can remember all that way back, we began by making three statements. It was based on Matthew 16, statements that build one upon the other. Number one, the church is first and foremost all about Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. That is the constant truth. Number two, the church is all about the community of believers, the ecclesia. It's about people, not buildings. That is the living reality. And number three, the church is all about bringing heaven's kingdom to earth, as in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. That is the daily mission. And starting with a brief overview of church history, where we identify the repeating patterns of persecution, heresies and self-reliance that has challenged the church's belief and practice from the first disciples until now. We've looked afresh at both the nature and life of the church and what it means today in the context that God has placed us in. And for us, it is here in Jersey. And what a study it's been. I think for me personally, this study has done two things. Number one, it's, it's restored the passion that the church, and what I mean by that, the one holy Catholic apostolic church, as in the Nicene Creed, really is the hope of the world. And how this message of hope that God has entrusted us with is something the world so desperately needs to hear and know. And we all have a part to play in living out this hope and sharing it with those around us. And the second thing this study has done, it's reignited the conviction that the local church as the body of Christ is the means through which Jesus chooses to manifest his presence and his power and bring his love and his peace and his joy and his healing and his salvation to all. I think it's so easy for us to be disillusioned by, if you like, institutional religion or feel rejected by what we hear about statistics, about church decline and so on. But you know, the miracle of God's grace is that he loves to use you and me. And you see, from heaven's perspective to earth, the harvest is gloriously white and it's ready for us to work in the fields and gather in the fruit, John 4. In other words, there are opportunities every day 
for us to share the gospel, to sow into our surroundings and to see God's grace abound and to see people's lives transformed by God's love. But not only that, from heaven's perspective to earth, the church, us, we've been equipped with everything we need to be Jesus to the world, to be salt and light and to serve like Jesus did. Ephesians 2.10. The only question is, what are we waiting for? We've been given the mandate from heaven to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, to fulfill this great commission. And the only thing holding the church back from living out this mission is the church. It's you and it's me. And so as we bring this study to land, I want us to look, uh, finish by looking at the mission and the mark of the church. And hopefully I want to propel us all into a greater urgency and willingness to go. This passage in Matthew 28 that I read a moment ago probably is one of the most familiar and cited passages in the whole of the New Testament. Not only is it the epilogue in Matthew's Gospel, if you like it's the summary of the whole Gospel in a few verses of who Jesus is and the mandate he has given us as his followers. But it has that same morale-boosting effect of a, as a commander rallying his troops for battle. It's inspiring, it's motivational, and it leaves no room for doubt. But as the saying go, goes, familiarity breeds contempt. And I'm not suggesting for one moment that the church shows contempt for Jesus' words. But there is a sense, and history and culture bears testimony to this, in which the church disregards, neglects, and even at times defies the fullness of the words that Jesus speaks to us here. And we allow ourselves to become dulled by ritual and style or controlled by tradition and custom or lukewarm to the message and the means. And of course I'm speaking in general terms. You see, Jesus begins by establishing the boundaries and the borders of this Great Commission. And when we look at it, there are none. All authority has been given to me, Jesus says, in heaven and earth. Authority, exousia, it means power, it means force, it means privilege, it means strength, it means liberty, it means jurisdiction and authority. And it all belongs to Jesus. Which means there is no place anywhere on earth or in the heavens or in the universe where Jesus does not have all authority. Our Saviour, our Lord, the head of the church. In Colossians 1 and 2, just read that passage again. He has it all. Just think back to when Jesus commends that Roman centurion's faith in Matthew 8. Because this soldier understood authority. And he knew the power that he had to say to a servant to go and his servant would go. Or to come and his servant would come. Now magnify this kind of authority by eternity and we get to glimpse at the mystery that everything that moves and breathes and lives and exists comes under the authority of Jesus. Everything. And the amazing truth and reality is that Jesus is, if you like, our CEO over the church. He is our chief evangelistic officer and he is the one who is calling his body to action. And what is he asking of us? He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He is asking us to go. I was sharing this at a recent evangelistic workshop that we put on and go means to go, to depart, to take a walk, to make a journey. Go does not mean to stay or delay or hesitate or ponder, but go. Go where? Well, if we're to make disciples of all the nations, ethnos, it means race, tribe, nation, people. Again, that doesn't seem to be a boundary or a border. Neither is there a limit or an exception. I think we can safely say the point is to go. It's a bit like the, the green light at the traffic lights. It means go. Green light never means wait, like amber, or stop, like red. When you see the green light, you have the authority to go. And some of us admittedly will accelerate out of the lights a little faster than others. Do you ever do that? Yes? No? Okay, I do. <laughs> Sometimes. But just imagine the scenario that you come to the lights. There's a car in front of you. The lights turn green and that car does not move. What are you thinking? Well, I appreciate in this moment you may be revealing the kind of driver you are, but one right response might be, you can't be serious. Move, you very nice driver in front. <laughs> or whatever you say. And what do you do? Do you wave your hands? Do you shout, hoping no one can hear what you're saying? Do you honk the horn? <laughs> but you know, as ridiculous as it is to wait at a green light when you have the authority to go, it is even more so for the church to wait at the green light of mission, especially knowing there is no amber and there's no red. Jesus, who has all authority, he's saying the lights are green, go. Heaven is championing us on to put our feet down and move. There is a hallelujah honk from heaven urging us to accelerate to the mission field because it's already white. And heaven knows the time is drawing near and closer when Jesus is coming again. And we need to know this too. You know, over the years, there have been some incredible missionary movements throughout history, throughout the world, and courageous missionaries, many of whom have become martyrs for the sake of the gospel. But all too often, we're still associating the word mission with far off lands. But you know, if there is someone in our home who, or on our doorstep that does not know the Lord Jesus, here is the mission. If there is someone in our neighbourhood or community who does not know Jesus as Lord and Saviour, we have the green light of mission to go. And we are all called to do it. This is the mission of the church. And it's for each one of us to go uniquely and exclusively and eternally equipped in the way the Father has equipped us with everything we need to go and make disciples of all nations. And as we go, what do people see? What is it that marks us out for this mission? You see, here is the critical factor. As someone once said, Christians are the best advertisement for Christianity. They followed their words by saying they're also the worst. You know, what is it that marks out the church? 
How do we, as Jesus says in Matthew 5, let our light shine before men that they may see our good works. Actually, the word means beautiful works and glorify our Father in heaven. How do we do this? You know, this is an enormous subject and we've looked at this over the months and I want to encourage you, go back over the sermon series, look at the different areas that we've been teaching on and just get a greater gra- a grasp of what this is all about. It is an enormous subject, but we can sum it up very simply. You see, there is just one way, one mark that really matters, that is the foundation of everything. It's like a plan A with no alternative. And it's called agape love. In John 13, 34 to 35, Jesus gives the disciples a new commandment. You see, the old commandment was to love your neighbour as yourself. It's a good commandment, especially in the context of the old covenant. But here Jesus gives a higher, newer, more sacrificial commandment to his disciples, to his friends. He says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And it's this bit, by this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. In other words, Jesus is saying, the mark of being my disciples as a church is love. It's a special kind of love, agape love, which is self-giving, self-sacrificing. It's unconditional love for God and for each other. Now apply this to Matthew 28. And we quickly see, for example, that we cannot baptise potential disciples. And please note, baptism here is not referring to a ritual, but it's all about relationship of being immersed, saturated in the unconditional love of the Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. We cannot baptise potential disciples if we are not marked by the same baptism of being immersed in God's love ourselves. You see, the beginning and the end, the Alpha, the Omega and everything in between in terms of the mark of the church has to be this agape love. Everything we are and do has to be stamped with the agape love of God. It's like tattooed on our hearts, immersing ourselves in his presence and in his power, diving into the depths of his love so that we, like Jesus, can have a love for one another and a love for those that God has placed before us. And you see, it's out of this love that we model life as disciples. It's out of this love that we teach one another and teach others how to observe God's word and to his ways and to know his will. It's out of this love that we walk in obedience and faith as we're commanded to. It's out of this love that we release every member ministry in the church to to serve one another and to have activities and all of the things that we love to do in reaching out to the lost. It's out of this love that we raise up leaders that we champion those to go for Jesus. It's out of this love that as the church, the body of Christ, we radiate Christ to the world and in the world and through the world. And it is in fact so simple for us to grasp. We complicate it so often, but it's so simple to grasp. Our mission is to go. Our mark 
is to show, to show God's agape love to the world and to those around us in multiple ways and opportunities. And Jesus concludes in this passage by saying, if you like, the morale booster is to know that Jesus, he is with us always, even to the end of the age, verse 20. Isn't that wonderful to know? We don't do this alone. The one who has all authority is always with us. Go, show and know. And what is there to hold us back? What are we waiting for? There's a family member for you to love. There's a friend for you to save. There's a work colleague for you to seek out and get alongside. There's a community for us to immerse in God's love. And there is a world to know the message of hope. It is time for us all to go. Let's pray together. Father God, would you forgive each one of us for those times when we've held back, when we've delayed, when we've hesitated, when we've just stayed in the safety of our own bubbles and we've not taken up that mission that you've called us to. Father, forgive us. And I pray for each one of us as we hear this word that you're speaking to us, that we would get that urgency and that sense of commission that this is for each one of us to go into the field and to bear fruit for your glory. And I thank you that you've equipped us uniquely to do this wherever we are in the present amongst those that you've called us to love. And I pray for each one of us that you would place in us that agape love, not only for you, Lord, for you in every way, but for those that you've placed us to, that we would love as Jesus, you love us. And reach out as you have reached out to us and reveal your love to those around us. Father, we want to say to you, here we are, here I am. Use me. Shine through me, take me by the hand and lead me to those you want me to love for your sake and for your glory. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. Well, bless you. As a church, we, we want to encourage one another to take hold of this message of who we are as a church, all that God has poured into our hearts and our lives, the opportunities he has given us to see our community transformed. And I just want to encourage each one of you, just join in this, get excited by this, have that fire burning within you for all that God has for us now. Yes, these are difficult and challenging days, but God has given us incredible opportunities to share his love, to see people's lives and saved. So join us as we do this for God's glory and bless you all. And I just want to draw this service to a close as I pray God's blessing in you on 
your families on your households. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace now and always. Amen. Have a wonderful rest of the, the week. Uh, do uh, look on our Facebook page and website for our forthcoming services, especially leading up to Christmas. And we look forward to seeing you very soon. Take care. God bless. Bye for now.